Well, hello, hello. How you doing? How are you doing? This is the S. Anthony Says Podcast. This is the S. Anthony Thomas, and this is episode number three, two, six, three, twenty-six. How are you doing? How are you doing, you bastards? Ah, uh, my friends, how are you doing? I hope you enjoyed July 4th. I hope you got your dog out from under the chair. I hope your kids stopped crying. I hope you had some good barbecue. I hope you did whatever you do to uh, celebrate July 4th if you celebrate it. I know that pe- my people in uh, the Bastard Army that's in uh, the UK is like, yeah, we uh, really uh, we really don't celebrate that. Well, I understand that, but th- I'm in America, so, you know, deal with it, punks. And uh, thanks for not being mad at me for dissing uh, football and soccer. <laughs> Thank you. I actually do like the sports. I just don't think they'll be that big here, so stop emailing me. Anyway... <laughs> Folks, I just want to say this. I, I, I got to say this, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, I've been on social media for a, almost a decade now. And I'll be honest with you. I don't have the same love for it that I used to have for it. It's just like anything else. You know, remember when you were a little kid and you got a toy and you loved that toy and the toy was the best thing in the world and double incredible and fantastic and cripple incredible and all of that crap. And you loved it. You were sitting there with you got your catalog out. You're looking at the catalog, the toy catalog. You circle it in a pen. Then you get a spanking for writing in the catalog, but you don't care because... You, Okay, actually, you do care because it's not it's not pleasant to get your ass whipped. But you do, but you go. It doesn't matter, damn it. Seven months from now, that toy is gonna be mine, and I don't care, you know. And then the time goes by, and you're sitting there, you're looking at it, you're looking at the ink spot, and all of a sudden, you notice that that page with the toy that you wanted, the toy that you wanted, it starts to fade because you're sitting there all day under the window looking at that toy or that video game that you wanted when you were a kid. The sun starts to bake that page down. It's the one page that is kind of worn down because the sun has been beating it. And, of course, you flip the catalog and it falls onto the floor and it goes to the underwear page. And you realize that those pages are also been faded. And then your teenage brother walks down. Give me that catalog. Why, why are the pages with the, with the women in the maternity bras? Why are those pages faded? Definitely not because I've been using it for other things. <laughs> and he runs away with the Okay, that's a different story. Let's not. We'll talk about that on a different episode. <laughs> Your brother looked at the maternity bras and felt himself up. Okay, that's what was happening. <laughs> I'm back to my story. So you're thinking about that toy. You finally get the toy. It's the best thing in the world. You're sitting under the tree. You go, thanks, mom and dad. And they go, not a problem, punk. And you're playing with the thing. And your sister's over there playing with her girl stuff. And you're playing with the stuff there. Because even at that age, we were been indoctrinated that guys have to like certain things. And women have to like certain things. Which, as it turns out, doesn't apply anymore. Because everybody gets to play with everything. <laughs> but not back then. And you're playing with your crap. And she's playing with her crap. And your mother and father go... Well, you guys are uh, playing with your toys. We're going to go back upstairs because you, you're doing okay now, right? Yes, Mom and Dad, we're doing good. Okay, we're going to go back upstairs. We were up all night wrapping gifts. I mean, Santa, I mean, we were up there talking to Santa. Santa wrapped the gifts, you know, even though you found the credit card receipt that actually itemized everything under the tree and it was signed by me and your dad. I mean, we just, that was our list of things that for, for Santa Claus to get and he was just letting us know how much it would have cost if he hadn't been, if, if the elves had not made it. But 
captives. We definitely did not purchase it by working hard, you ungrateful little bastards. It was because of Santa Claus, this dude who, you know, did, 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 did not squeeze you out of his body like I did, and that he did, and that your dad did not has not been protecting for this this entire time and contributing to the household with a salary in addition to my salary. I mean, of course, it's not us that gave you the gifts. It's some punk ass guy that be okay. Whatever. We're going upstairs to take a nap. Okay, mom and dad. I don't know why you told us all of that crap because we're really not paying attention to you. I'm playing with my boy crap and my sister is playing with his with her girl crap and we're not paying attention to you. Well, continue to not pay attention to us. Are you sure you're not going to need anything? You're not going to say, mom, dad, we need something. Oh, absolutely. We're going to completely ignore you while we play with our crap. Good. Because, uh, uh, honey, you want to? Yeah, um, your mother and I are going to go upstairs and we're going to take a nap. Uh, but before we take a nap, uh, we have to move some furniture around. Uh, okay, not all the furniture, just one piece of furniture is going to be moved around. You're going to hear the bed squeaking a lot, but it's very, very heavy. And uh, so it's very, very difficult to move it around. So it's going to be moving around for about an hour or so. And uh, because it's so difficult to move, you're going to hear your mother go, oh, God, oh, God. And you're going to hear me going, oh, yeah, damn it, oh, yeah. But, this, but the only reason that she's going, oh, God, oh, God, and I'm going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and the bed is bouncing up and down is because we're moving it around. That's the only thing that's happening upstairs. And because it's so difficult to move the bed, it's very, very important that neither one of you comes upstairs until you smell cigarette smoke. Okay, if you don't smell cigarette smoke, do not come upstairs oh you're grounded okay huh exactly and and then they go anyway you get the toy and it's a great toy you're having a great time with it and it's the greatest and then a day goes by it's still the greatest toy in the world two days goes by it's still the greatest toy in the world five days three weeks six months and all of a sudden that crap is upside down on the floor in your room and you actually stepped on it to get to something you really like because you no longer give a crap about that toy anymore you still pull it out every once in a while but it's not the same well, my friends, that's how I feel about social media. When, it, well, when, I, when I finally said, all right, damn it, I'm going to break down and start getting on social media. Quite frankly, I was kind of excited by it because everybody else was excited by it. You know, I got on Twitter and Facebook almost exactly the same time, you know, almost a decade ago. Right. I go on social media, I go on Facebook, I find old friends from around the country in different parts of the world. I couldn't find them and I started looking them up by name and they all were there. It was great. Found a whole bunch of my friends, found relatives that I hadn't been in contact with, found relatives that I didn't even know were relatives, right? Found old girlfriends. As it turns out, we reconnected and we, we, we found them. And even though we broke up a long time ago, we have a bond now. It didn't work out between us romantically, but it doesn't matter. We're still, we, we still like each other as people. And, of course, yes, I, um, <clears throat> uh, I let's just say I, I reconnected with about four or five of them real good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I re we reconnected the crap out of each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> Moving on. And then I got on Twitter a little bit, like almost probably the same week or the same month. It was like right after I was on Facebook. And in the beginning, it was it was kind of interesting on Facebook. Facebook was exciting. Twitter, I didn't understand in the beginning. Because when I got when I went on Facebook, it was just people talking about their families and news. Are, okay, great. I get it. I went on Twitter and I and it was literally a bunch of very, very young people saying things like, I like cake. Hey, that's a nice shirt. Here's my sandwich. Here's a picture of my sandwich. And I'm thinking, <laughs> this is dumb. 
right? But upon reflection, I realized just like Facebook, it could literally be the water cooler. It could be the world's water cooler. When I was a kid, I was a little boy and Roots came on. Everybody went to school. They were talking about Roots and Kunta Kente this and getting the foot chopped off that and whippings this, all these horrible things that were happening that we knew about because our family told us about it. But now you see a physical representation of the slave trade and slavery and the passages and the middle passage. And you got a physical, you get to, it, it was brought to life in your face and it changed you and it changed the conversation. And I was a little boy when this thing came on and it changed what everybody was talking about in school and it changed how everybody talked at recess. It was in a cultural event. And I remember how that worked and I thought, Hey, with this, with social media, if used correctly, it could be the world's water cooler. So I decided I'm going to get really into this Facebook. I'm going to get really into this Twitter and all of that kind of crap. And obviously I'm on some, several other sites now. I built up a following on several other sites. I get it. And in the beginning, it was fun, man. In the beginning, when I got on Twitter initially, obviously, when you start on Twitter, you don't have any followers. I followed a handful of people just to see what they were tweeting. And as it turns out, the first few people I followed were very, very interesting, kind of funny. I'd tweet some stuff and they'd follow me back and I had 10 followers, right? And we, we it was literally like me and 10 other people and we would literally conversate via Twitter back and forth and back and forth. On Facebook, I actually knew these people, so I would actually run into them or I could call them. I knew them personally. On Twitter, this was expanding my friends my friends online. It was great. Yay. New people. Fantastic. I now have 25 followers. Fantastic. I now have 100. Yay. And when, you, when Twitter started out and when I started out on Twitter, it was a big deal. How many likes and re, retweet, retweets and read this and read it. There was a big deal and you wanted to get as many people as possible and you wanted to be interesting and you wanted to see how many likes and retweets you could get. It was double incredible and triple incredible and all of that crap. And I had 250 people. Oh, yeah. And when I got to 250 people on Twitter, what I started to notice was that the people that I followed were kind of starting out at Twitter at the same time that I did. So whenever any one of us would tweet something, the other people who you're actually engaging with, you, you, you tweet something and all of a sudden, bang, 50 people retweeted it. 150 people liked it. Almost everything you tweeted, there was some engagement. Almost everything, right? Even if you just tweeted out a random thought, man, pizza's good. 75 retweeted tweets 150 likes whoa you tweet a joke that was actually a very very good joke a joke good enough to go into your act and you're probably going damn i should have put that in the act real good 450 retweets 700 likes whoa you weren't even trying you only have 250 followers how's that happening i don't know oh my you now have 500 followers a thousand 1,500 you retweet something oh 500 retweets 506 like whoa you now have 3,000 5,000 whoa 10,000 like I have now but what you start noticing is once you get past about uh, once you get past the thousand followers what starts to happen is the people following you also have a thousand or two thousand or three thousand or five thousand followers. And nobody sees your stuff anymore. You got used to the fact that you could put out something and you tweet something and all of a sudden 500 retweets, 200 retweets, 300 likes, a thousand likes. Dab, 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 not, not anymore, son. 
When you get around 5,000, 6,000 followers, you'll post something up and 16 people will retweet it and 11 people will like it. Hmm? You get to 6,000, 7,000 followers, five people will retweet it and three people will like it. Hmm? You get to 10,000 followers, you'll retweet something, one like, one comment, three hearts. Hmm? I know people online. I mean, I don't know them personally, but people online that have 100,000 followers on Twitter, 250,000, 300,000, 500,000 followers on Twitter. And they'll post something and they'll get one retweet and three, three likes. How does that happen? How do you have 150,000 followers? You retweet something and I read the tweet and it was pretty good and it got four likes and one retweet. And I was one of the I was the retweet and I was one of the likes. How does that happen? Because what happens is as people get more followers, the engagement goes down because the connection with the people that they're following isn't there anymore. Sometimes it becomes more and more about collecting numbers. And when you do any, when you start collecting numbers and collecting numbers and collecting numbers and trying to drive your, your follower count up. The people that are following you don't give a damn. They don't care about what you tweet. They just want the fact, well, if I follow you, you'll follow me. Follow for follow. Same thing on Facebook. I follow you. You follow me. Do you read each other's posts? Nope. And that's why on Facebook, I kind of just stopped adding people. Not that I, I deny requests. Like if somebody does a friend request and I don't know them or they don't have anything that a lot of times I don't even notice it, to be honest with you, because I don't, it's like eh. a lot of times it's some somebody from oh, it's like a picture that somebody stole off of a website of some hot woman. And they think that the, I'm Amber booby boobs from um, from uh, from Yugoslavia. Mm. Friend request. I don't know anybody in Yugoslavia. Okay, get the fuck out of here. But I just stopped, man. I got a 3,000 something. I know maybe about half of the people personally. The other half are friends of friends. That's good enough for me. But even then, you don't get that many comments. I mean, I get comments on Facebook way more than I get on Twitter. But not as many as you would think with the number like with, with 3,000, quote, friends on Facebook. So what does that mean? It means a lot of times we get caught up in trying to get people to just try to get the numbers up. And even though I got 10,000 people on Twitter, I'll be honest with you. I long for the days when I had 400 people or 300 people on Twitter, when I would post something and it'd be 150 retweets and 150 likes because of the people of the 300 that were following me. Half of them saw it. And a lot of times, all of them saw it and would give me a retweet and a like. Now, I don't give a crap about retweets and likes like that. What I'm saying is the engagement was there. And when you have the engagement, you're inclined to be there because there's a reason for you to be there. You ever have a, a person that you knew that was a friend of yours, right? And you were cool in the beginning and you didn't have a falling out. You didn't dislike each other. You never had a crossword. Nothing bad happened, but... 
something kind of dragged you apart. Maybe they, maybe you moved to a different part of the country or the other side of the country. Maybe they moved to another country. You don't have anything bad to say about them. They have nothing bad to say about you. And occasionally you reach out to just to make sure everybody's okay. How's it going? How's it going? But you're not talking to each other the way you used to. And you didn't change how you felt about it. But what about in, this, in the same instance, you reach out to that person and they don't return your phone call or your text. They don't say happy birthday to you. Right. And when you do call them, they're almost kind of annoyed. They, 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 they're pleasant to you because of your past relationship, but they're almost kind of slightly annoyed. You know, they're kind of rushing you off. And you get the feeling it's not because you caught them in the middle of something. Just, they just don't feel like talking to you. After a while, if you made the mistake of getting too involved and thinking about what, how many stars you get and how many likes you get, social media kind of like, kind of becomes like that friend that doesn't have anything bad to say about you and you have nothing bad to say about it. But the connection isn't there anymore. The engagement isn't there anymore. And it's kind of annoyed that you're there. Right. You reach out and it doesn't re and nobody reaches back. It kind of makes you think about restructuring the way you do things in general, right? As everybody who's listening to me knows, I'm in the process of writing a brand new show. I've taken everything that I ever wrote and I had a, keep in mind, I started doing comedy in 1986. So that, and I was very proficient and I was a very, very, I wrote lots of jokes. You know, my hero, as some of you probably know, uh, one of my heroes is Prince. And I took very, very seriously trying to be like him, not to be like him, but to be, to think in terms of being the best I could be and being very, very proficient, writing a lot of stuff and continuing to churn out high level stuff. That was my goal. That was in, what was one of the things that inspired me about the guy. So that ought to tell you just how many, how much stuff I've written over the years that people haven't even heard. I haven't done it on television, haven't done it on the radio. You've never heard it on any, any one of these 325 podcasts that came before this. Right. I never put it in blogs. This is just stuff I wrote that was going to at some point be a part of the act. But I decided, nah, 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 nah. What you're writing now is an S. Anthony Thomas show, not a Steve Thomas show. That Steve Thomas was the guy you used to be. You don't. No one even calls you Steve anymore. A couple of your relatives do, but everybody you met after you decided to use that name, nobody calls me that. None of my even my old friends were going. You know what? Fuck that. I'm calling you S. Anthony, and that's what you want to be called. Yep, that's what you're going to be called now. You're S. Anthony now, or they call me S. And I realized it was time for me to take all the Steve Thomas stuff. That I wrote. And a lot of it was great. Let's be honest. Most of that shit was great. Yeah, I said it. Shut up. You didn't read it. <laughs> and I said, no, man, I'm going to put that in the vault and let that sit there. I want to write a I want to write a stone cold S. Anthony Thomas set. No Steve Thomas stuff. Now, maybe I'll, I'll do what like Prince did. You write some stuff that you're proud of, but it's not fitting what you're doing right now. Throw it in the vault. And every once in a while you go back in there, you know, check out a couple of beats, check out a couple of uh, guitar solos and a couple of bass lines. See if there's anything in there that's cool that you that might inspire you. And then I'll pull out some Steve Thomas stuff and I'll give it the S. Anthony treatment. That's probably what's going to happen. But for right now, no Steve Thomas material because I'm not that guy anymore. And why do I say that? I say that because I realize that I've been spending way too much time reaching out on social media without getting the benefits back that I thought I would. 
Now, I'm going to stay on social media, but I realize that I have to put social media and this podcast in context. Now, in as far as importance to me, stand up comedy is my wife. Right. Not just any wife. You know, if you if you're lucky to be in a relationship where you got a woman or, or a man that's in your life that is just awesome. You love them. You can't get enough of them. You would love that. It's like having a best friend that, you know, that, that, that you can't get enough of. You love talking to them. They get you. You get them. Their weaknesses. You don't even give a crap about them. Their strengths. You love they support you. Everything's great about them. And also you jump on top of each other and demolish each other in the bedroom. That kind of marriage. That's the kind of wife stand up comedy has been to me. The podcast and I love this podcast. This podcast is my drinking buddies, my friends, the friends I grew. You know, like, you know, like you, you ever make make new friends. You know, you, you've known them for, you know, like. Oh, coincidentally, like this podcast is going to be five years in October. You've known them for four or five years. You love being around them. You get to see them. You hang out with them. You go to the bar a couple times a week with them. You maybe you go to the park and you shoot a little hoop with them. You go to the gym with them, that kind of thing. They're great guys. You've known them for five years. And you love them. You legitimately do. But they're not the wife. They're the friends. They're important to you. They're going to be a part of your life permanently. You know that. But they're not the wife. They're the friends. So using that scale, what is what would social media be? Hmm? If stand up comedy is the wife that you love and you can't get enough of and she's beautiful and double incredible and quadruple incredible and double delicious and quadruple delicious and all of that crap. You can't get enough of the greatest and incredible. You're happy when you walk in the house and you see one of her f- socks balled up on the floor. Normally you can't stand the fact that you somebody's sock balled up on the floor would drive you nuts, but it was on her sweet foot. Right. You walk into the room and her coat's on the back of the chair and you normally can't stand anything on the back of the chair. If you walked into the, into the house and one of your friend's coat was on the back of the chair, you'd be like, man, get that shit off my chair. But it's because it was on her sweet shoulders. You don't give a damn about that coat being there because that's your woman. Normally, you don't want somebody leaving a plate in the sink that had cake in it and it's got a fork on it and cake crumbs in it. And you almost want to pick that fork up and put it in your mouth because it was in her mouth. And then you're picking it. And you know what? I know this is weird, but she's not here. You pick the fork up. You put it in her mouth and said, you know what? This fork tastes extra good because it has chocolate cake remnants on it and I'm sure she had that cake and it's great then you find out that her, her damn brother had the thing and the cake and then you go in the bathroom and gargle because you got brother-in-law spit in your mouth <laughs> back to the story <laughs> right but that's how incredible she is that's the wife the friends of this podcast what is social media social media used to be the drinking buddies when i started stand-up comedy was the wife who was incredible i just talked about how incredible she was and double incredible and quadruple incredible and double delicious and all of that crap and social media was the drinking buddies but as i've already said man you've reached out if you reach out to a drinking buddy, a good friend of yours, and he doesn't return phone calls, he doesn't want to hang out with you as much anymore, he's pleasant when you run into him, but you don't get to hang out. He kind of moves down a little bit, doesn't he? This podcast has rocketed right past social media, and the social media has been pushed down. All of it, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anything that I'm on, I still like it, I still dig it, but it was pushed down. It used to be the drinking buddy, but now it's the pleasant neighbor. Right. 
Now, if you have a pleasant neighbor, they're not as important to you as your drinking buddies. Of course not. You don't hang out with your neighbor. Every once in a while, you'll be on the porch sitting there drinking a glass of wonderful iced tea. Yes, you will. Iced tea. Whoa, cold, refreshing iced tea on a summer day. And you'll be reading the newspaper. And then he'll come out and you'll be doing the same thing. You go, hey, buddy, you're drinking cold, refreshing iced tea. And he goes, as a matter of fact, I am. And he has a newspaper. And you have a newspaper. And he has cold, refreshing iced tea. Ha ha. And you've got cold, refreshing iced tea. Ho 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 ho. And you get into a little bit of a discussion about what's in the newspaper. But then eventually the discussion kind of dries up a little bit. And one of you has to have the courage to go, oh, let me finish this article right here. And the other person goes, okay, great, because you basically you only wanted to talk to each other for about five minutes. That's enough to talk about how much you love the president or don't like the president. How about that game? You're done. And you just sit there, and every once in a while you glance at the other like, haha, you give you a little, you little point to each other to acknowledge that the other person's still there, and you're going, please don't talk to me. I just wanted the point to be nice. You go back to your paper. That's what social media has become to me now. It's the pleasant neighbor right? The pleasant neighbor has a use, right? Every once in a while, you may need to borrow a lawnmower. Every once in a while, he may need to borrow a lawnmower. Every once in a while, you know, hey, I'm going to the store. You need something? Yeah, give me a loaf of bread. Thanks a lot. But you don't necessarily have to have them in your house. Why? Their house looks just like your house. They're your neighbor, damn it. What the hell they want to go into your house for? You watch the fights in your house. He watches the fights in their house, in his house. You talk about it. Everything's great. They're pleasant. You see each other all the time, but you don't spend a lot of time with the neighbor and social media has now been relegated to the pleasant neighbor that I see all the time but I don't necessarily have to join in all the time I like social media but I'm not going to be on it as much because it doesn't give me the benefits that it used to it used to be like I said in the number two spot now it's a number three in descending I need to spend as much time with the wife, not the friends, and not as much time, definitely, with the pleasant neighbor. Stand-up comedy is my wife, and I have been neglecting her, not in an overt way. You know, sometimes you grow apart, right? You ever seen a relationship where people are together, they're happy and everything's great and some kind of weirdness happens where this person's working in this city and this person's working in that city. They don't have any kids, right? They don't divorce each, each other. They don't date anybody else, but they basically become kind of people that run across each other every once in a while, right? Right? They don't even jump on top of each other. I mean, they do every once in a while when they really, really need it, but they don't, right? And they don't want to jump on top of anybody else because they don't want to break the the marriage, but... You know, you're just kind of there. They still got the ring on, but they, you know, you don't talk to each other for a few weeks at a time. You're kind of around each other, but, you know, you're not unhappy, but you're not happy. You just kind of lost that connection. And that's what my wife stand up and I have been like. We coexisted. Every once in a while, I jump on the stage and do my my old act. I already knew that it worked because I've been doing it. I did that. I wrote that act and, you know, it is what it is. Right. And I jump on stage to be great. But I never went after it. I mean, the places I was going on stage were like a little coffee house. Every once in a while, somebody that I knew from back in the day was doing a show. They call me up. Hey, Stu, hey, come on, man. And I want to walk on stage and I do my little 10 minutes every once in a while. You know, oh, man, you still got it, man. You going to come back in? You know, I'll do it. But I never broke up, but we never got divorced. But we just kind of grew apart a little bit. And every once in a while, I'd be checking on each other. But I started thinking, this is the love of my life, man. 
I'm about to turn 50 years old in October, the end of October. You know? And I'm getting in better and better health. So this, I'm probably going to have 40, maybe 30, 40 years left. And if I got 30, 40, 40 years left, shouldn't you, if you have the opportunity to spend that 30 or 40 years with the love of your life, shouldn't you spend as much time with the love of your life as you, as you can? Right? You already wasted enough time not being with the love of your life. It's been, the love of your life has been around you. And every once in a while you'd walk in and say hi, but you haven't done what you were supposed to do. Sometimes when you're married, and I'm not married, I've lived with women, but I'm not married, but I'm married to stand up. We got married in January of 1986 when I was 17 years old. She's never failed me. I failed her. I'm not going to fail her again. We're going to start dating again sometime late this year. We're going to renew our vows on January of uh, 2019, which will be my 33rd anniversary with her, with this wonderful woman called Stand Up Comedy. And once we renew our vows again, we'll never be apart again, ever. That's a promise to myself and to my wife, stand up. So, you may say, well, you, you kept talking on, uh, on social media about how much you'd want to get a Netflix comedy special and how much you'd like to get a Netflix series. What about, and that, keep in mind, Netflix doesn't know I exist except as a customer. But say for the sake of argument, I get back out there, my wife and I get back out there, my wife stand up comedy, I'm not married to a person, if you understand what I'm saying, you, if you're following my wife from stand-up and I get back out there and we do what we were doing back in the day and everything's great. I'm back at full strength. The marriage is solidified. And we're out there doing what we do. And Netflix sees what I'm capable of doing and what she's capable of. My wife stand-up. When we're together as a couple, what we're capable of creating. And they go, oh, that's special. That guy and his wife stand-up comedy are incredible. I want them on my streaming service. I need it. I'm going to give them a special... You know, S. Anthony rules or whatever the hell I decide to call it. And it goes on Netflix and the Netflix special starring me and my wife stand up comedy goes ape shit crazy. Pulls down the kind of numbers that people are writing about in Variety magazine. People and all of a sudden I'm the hottest thing. My wife stand up comedy and I were the hottest, the greatest, the double incredible and quadruple incredible and quintuple incredible and all of that crap. And every time you go into Netflix, it says trending and my special with me and my wife stand up comedy. We're right at the top of that all the time. Trending. Here we are. Mm, check it out. Here we are. Hot. Check it out. Here we are. All of a sudden they start advertising it and everything's great. And it's double and treble and quadruple and credible and all of that crap. And they go, man, this guy's bringing down such gigantic numbers with his wife stand up comedy. We got to give this guy a television series. We got to build a television series around that guy. But... It's going to star him. And we can't have him. It's okay if he does a special with his wife's stand-up comedy. But we don't really need her on this series. Because it's actually a series that's a drama. But we think you'll be great in it. And my wife's stand-up comedy, who got me to this point, is sitting in a chair and she looks at me and she goes, It's okay, we're, we're together. It doesn't matter. You go off and do what you do. I'll still be here. 
And I do this series. S. Anthony beats up people at the end of every episode because he's a tough cop and he whoops people's asses. In the beginning of the show, he gets his ass whooped, but he comes back and whoops the person's ass. Season one, S. Anthony whoops people's asses in Act Four, Season One. Oh yeah, and this thing goes as crazy as the special that I had with my wife stand-up comedy. It goes double and triple, quadruple, incredible, and double incredible, and quintuple and quadruple and octuple and double incredible, and everybody loves it and it's the best thing in the world and i'm huge and i'm getting them Chappelle rock deals okay your show so incredible we want you to do five specials and two series we'll give you a hundred million dollars for 10 years that's right punk sign it now a lot of times what will happen is when the person moves on to that other thing they get the TV special and the movies and all of that crap what happens is what do they do they look at their wife's stand up comedy and they go well huh, I got a quadruple and double quadruple incredible quadruple and quintuple incredible TV series right now you know what I mean I mean I don't necessarily even need to do stand up comedy anymore But as I've already said, that's never going to happen. If I get a Netflix special with my wife, stand-up comedy, and I, we dominate the way I think we will, and they offer me some shit while I do something else that's not stand-up comedy, and it dominates, you know what's going to happen? I'm always going to have my wife, stand-up comedy, sweet hand in my hand. And I'm never letting go. So right after the series season one wraps, my ass is going to be on the road with my wife's stand-up comedy doing what we do. I've already failed her. I failed her once. I will never fail her again. So, I said this basically to say this. I will still be on social media, but now I realize that social media is kind of a tool. Right. To get the kind of engagement on social media that I that I want to get. I realize that my wife and I have to go out there and do what we do. Meet people in person. That way, I'm not a voice coming out of, 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 of somebody's phone or the speaker of somebody's car. I'm not some quick one liner that flips by that. Maybe you see, maybe you don't see, even though there's thousands of people on both sides. I'm not going to be just that anymore. I'll be a human being that actually exists and means something. Right. And then what will happen is it'll all it'll all leave it out in the wash. And if it goes according to plan, all of a sudden social media will kind of slide back up into the new two, number two spot. And my podcast and my social media sites will all get together and I'll have a whole lot of drinking buddies. The drinking buddies will be this podcast and the drinking buddies will be my new revitalized social media full of people who actually have met me and know me and have seen my wife stand up comedy and I. And I'll have a whole bunch of metaphorical drinking buddies. But even then, when all the drinking buddies of social media, when it actually starts paying attention to things and starts becoming fun again, and it really and it's not relegated to a tool that moves back up to being engaging like the podcast is. No matter how the podcast goes, no matter how social media goes, no matter how Netflix, when they finally become aware of my existence, no matter how that goes or some TV series or some movies or whatever, no matter how all of that goes, it could be the best 
all of those could be at the top level. Guess what? It's still not the wife. The wife is stand-up comedy, my friends. I failed her once. I'll never fail her again. Are you sure about that? Yes. Okay, because remember what happened last time? You, you, you were doing all those TV shows. We were doing really great. Okay, you were doing you were on national television. You were on all these radio programs. You were getting standing ovations. You moved to Los Angeles. You were thought of as one of the best comics in the country. And then all of a sudden, you started messing around. You got into these really bad relationships, which were, with good, which were good women, but they just weren't right for you, and you weren't right for them, and you neglected me. Did you not just hear the whole segment? I just, I just did a whole segment praising you. Yeah, you, you, I know. I'm your wife's stand-up comedy. I get it. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust you this one last time, okay? I have all, all of your talent, all this talent here, all the disability, all of this, all of this training that you have. I, it's, it's right here waiting for you. So you're going to take good care of it this time. I'm going to take very good care of you this time. I'm, that's, uh, that's all I'm saying. Because I'm not going to put up with this again. If you ever neglect me again, I just said I'm not going to neglect. Really? I just, all the, I got all these people listening to me. I just went through this whole thing talking about how you were the best thing and the most incredible thing and incredible and double incredible and all of that kind of crap. And all you gonna, and I just told you and I just promised I wasn't going to do, 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 do it again. Yeah, you promised. And then, so, so basically, if I bought you some roses, you would go, these are some nice roses, and then slap the shit out of me with them. Uh, no, I would not do that. Okay, great. I would take the thorns off first and then take one rose and slap the shit out of you because I, I like the roses. Wow. Wow. Look. Stand up. Let's not fight anymore. You know I love you. You got a nice ass. I know. And, you know, I, I, it, was, it was a joke. I didn't really want me to objectify you like that. I don't really exist. I'm just a, I'm just a concept, so it doesn't really matter if you talk about my ass. What about my tits? Don't say tits. We're gonna, the, the new act is probably going to be clean. <laughs> no, it's not. That's yeah, pretty true. I'm going to have a couple of F-bombs in there. <laughs> anyway, but what I'm saying is, listen, I promised you I won't betray you again. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time together. We're going to be together. You know, even if I, when I go off and do these other things, you will always be on my mind like that country song. You're always on my mind. You are always on my mind. Yeah. Um, could you leave Willie Nelson out of this? this, this that, just, just talk about me and stop using that as an excuse for your semi, for your okay singing voice. My singing voice is pretty damn good. So you're now a singer now. No, 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 no. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. That's what I thought you bastard. And stop using my catchphrases. I'm really you using a different voice. Shut up. Anyway, so what I'm saying, stand up, is listen, I won't betray you again, okay? It's us forever, and that's that. I promise. You promise? I promise, okay? All right. All right. So as soon as I finish writing, doing this podcast, I'm going to upload this and all that kind of stuff, and you know what I'm going to do next? You're going to write jokes for me, aren't you? You damn right. I'm going to write jokes for you. I'm going to take that pen. Pop the cap off of it. And then what? Then I'm going to take that notepad. I'm going to open it up real good. Spread them pages out real wide. And I'm going to take that big pen and I'm going to jam it. Uh, I think people are still listening to us. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Um, I was just, uh, mm, this is kind of getting a little embarrassing here. Uh, everybody, uh, you really didn't really need to hear that. Um, I'm going to change the subject because I did. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I uh, had a, a car trouble today. Yes, please move off the subject. I'm trying to move off the subject. Can just leave, leave the room? I'm going to do one last little piece before I end the podcast. I've already embarrassed myself already. Are you going to talk about the car type? Just, just stop. What are you, you going to? Yes, just chill. Just watch out. Anyway, guys, <clears throat> forgetting all of that. <laughs> uh, I bought a car tire today because I had no choice. I was driving through my hometown of Philadelphia. And uh, how can I put this politely? There's too many potholes. So I'm driving. I didn't even see the pothole. You know those potholes that are big? You can see them. You can drive around them. You can maneuver your tire so you don't hit the pothole. You can stop or, you know, you can do. This is one of those potholes that was kind of flat to the ground. So you can't see it until you're right up on it. And, of course, it's lined up perfectly to hit everyone's tire. Right? Unfortunately for me, there was no car in front of me to hit it so I can go, ha ha, loser, and then drive around the pothole. Because I was the one that hit the pothole while the person behind me was going, ha, 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 loser. And they drove around the pothole. So at first I'm like, damn it. Because it's one of those potholes where it goes, shaboom. And I'm cursing, damn it. Right? And I maneuver my car so the back tire doesn't hit it. And I'm going, mother jumping, mother jumper. I didn't say jumper. And I uh, did my little errands. And then I'm coming back out of the store, you know. And I look at the, and something says, look at your front tire, dude. Actually, it was a dude walking around the supermarket going, look at your front tire, dude. And I went, oh, thanks a lot, man. I looked at my front tire and I could see it was messed up. And then he kept walking and he went up to the next person and went, look at your front tire, dude. And it was a lady. And then I realized he just walks around the parking lot of supermarkets going, look at your front tire, dude. And it just happened to apply this time. And I went, he's scary. Please call the police. So I looked at my tire and it was jacked up. It had hit so hard that the belt and tire was broken. So I'm going, oh, man, I got to get to the tire place. You know, and, I, and the tire place that sold good tires was way far away. And I did not think this tire was going to make it that far. But, you know, if you live in the hood or near the hood or hood adjacent, you know that there's always tire places. You're driving down the road and there's always a tire place where there's about eight. There's a bunch of dudes and there's a bunch of tires stacked up. And it's not the kind of place where under normal circumstances you would go because um, no but I'm like, hey, man, it doesn't matter. I got to get this tire, man. I, you know, I, I got to get this tire. So I'm driving, and that tire was wobbling around. That tire was wobbling hard, man. And I'm trying not to hit any more potholes because I don't think this thing could take another pothole hit. And I don't want to have to get my car out of the middle of traffic with some people cursing at me and some stupid tow truck guy going, hey, you're in a desperate situation. You know, if this was just a regular tow, if you were in a parking space, I would only charge you $50. But because you in the middle of the street and people are actually physically slapping the shit out of you and kicking you and pissing on you and calling you a dumb bastard and saying get out of traffic you asshole I'm going to charge five billion you know what I'm talking about those bastards so I drive to the tire place and I'll be honest with you almost every tire place you ever go to if it's not one of the, the you know standard tire places that are national tire places or even if they're standalone tire places that are run well this is one of those tire places where you kind of get the feeling that someplace else this place is a franchise where there's the other place where this place sells the tires and the other place sells the cars that, the, that got stolen that the tires were ripped off of <laughs> I don't know if that's the case I, I'm moving on 
So I pull up to the place, and I'm telling you, I'm a brother. I'm not a straight-up street brother, but I knew the street brothers, right? How much do I know Do I know the street brothers? I know the street brothers well enough to know that when I would walk down the street, one of the street brothers grabbed me, spun me around, pulled his fist back to punch me in the face and said, Oh, shit. What's up, S? Hey, man. Sorry about that. I didn't recognize you, man. You cool? Go ahead, man. That's how much I know him. You dig? Right? So I'm used to these brothers, man. I've seen people stomped. I've seen people get their asses whooped. I've had my ass whooped. I've whooped people's asses. I'm not a hard case. I'm not a tough guy, but I know what the deal is, and I ain't no punk. I ain't no punk until I pulled into this tire place, and I saw the dudes working at this tire place, and I needed the tire real bad, and I'm telling you, I walked out the car trying to look hard, right? Because I'm telling you right now, as a brother, I just told you what my groove is, and I'm telling you right now, if I was walking down the street and I saw the dudes working at this tire place i might have walked across the damn street you're damn right f y'all don't judge me back to the story never judge a book by its cover so i pull up to the tire place right and i'm like man i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let society put this bull stuff in my mind where i'm gonna feel weird around my own people i mean these brothers look like dudes i grew up with granted the dudes i grew up with with the dudes I just explained who probably would under normal when they were younger would whoop your ass and probably take your wallet. Not all of them, about 10% of them, but this looked like all of the 10%. The other 90% were just regular brothers doing their thing, but 10% of those brothers would whoop your ass. Like the dude that spun me around was going to try to whoop my ass. I'm like, aren't you a little old to be doing this? He's like, sorry, man, it didn't mean it. And I'm like, Haha, moving on. As it turns out, these bastards didn't even have the tire for my car. My car is a Toyota Camry. What kind of place does not have tires for the Toyota Camry? That's like going into an ice cream shop and them going, Vanilla, nope, we don't have it. Come on, you bastards. So now I'm taking my wobbly ass. And they told me how much the tire is going to cost. And I'm going, yeah, that's almost what a new tire would cost. The fuck out of here. I did not say that because... They all had tire irons in their hands. They were actually just working with the tire irons. They weren't being threatening with the tire irons, but they have tire irons, and I ain't, I'm not pressing it. Okay, I said all of that for the comedic effect. None of these guys were scary, but it sounds better that way. Just kidding. They were very scary. <laughs> all right. So back out of the place, I go to another place. Now the thing is wobbling even more. It's wobbling so much, I'm going, please do not let any police officers get behind me. Please do not let any police officers get behind me. I know that most cops do their job right, but I just don't need to deal with it because I've already been pulled over with this car when it was operating perfectly by police officers who made up excuses to pull me over, pull up to the car, see that it's a middle-aged guy. They realize, damn, I wasted my time. I was hoping to rouse some kids and arrest them for no particular reason you know i don't even acknowledge the police officers that don't pull me over because you'll see 50 cops that'll drive around you that are actually doing their job properly and leave you alone because you didn't do anything and then there's the one that pulls your punk ass over the next thing you know is hashtag s anthony got fucked up for no reason and i'm on tv talking about how the cop beat me the fuck up for no reason his tire was wobbling and his tire probably had six guns in it so we had to beat the shit out of him you know what i'm saying moving on back to the tire so i drive to the other tire place and I pull in, and the guy goes, hey, man, what do you need, what do you need, man? I need a tire. He goes, okay, hold on. He goes into the back. I got it. And he puts the tire on. Now, the other tire place is the place I had gone to before. 
And they always had the tires. Maybe the reason they don't have the tires now is because I bought all the damn tires, the bastards. So now I'm at this place and I get the tire I put it, and they put it on for me. Right? And you don't realize how much you appreciate something until that something is getting messed up. Right? You don't realize how important your tires are on your car because normally they don't fail you. Normally it's your choice to just go, you know, I've had these tires for a certain amount of time. They're getting a little worn down. I'm going to buy some new tires. And in that particular case, it doesn't really matter because the tires hadn't failed yet. And you changed the tires. So you didn't have the sensation of the tires failing. Right? You don't you don't appreciate your car till the shit breaks. You get in the car, you put your key in, and you go about your business. You don't you don't think about it until the car breaks. Then when you take the car in, and then we're gonna need your car for three days. Well, three days, goddammit! Ah, now you appreciate your car. I appreciate my car now, and I appreciate the tire. That tire, it was just the, the, an hour before everything was great. I hit the, the thing, the, the thing in the street, bang, broke the belt in my tire. And I'm driving around like that. And I felt like a douche. And then they put the new tire on. And now I'm driving smooth again. I appreciate my tire. Sometimes you have to let things know you appreciate them. Right? I went a little too far. I hugged my new tire. I said, I love you, Tyre. I gave it a hug. And then I walked into the house. Well, I was actually walking back toward the house. And the other three tires were like, yeah, um, so, so I guess if we want to get some love, I guess we have to explode in the street like a bitch like that tire right there, huh? We're sitting here with our belts intact. We hit hot pot. We hit potholes all the time and our belts are intact. But I guess, I guess we just have to, I guess we just have to fail you. Maybe that's how you, maybe we get a hug that way. And I said to my other three times, I was like, I'm sorry. It's not, I just felt, the, you're right. You guys have not failed me at all. So I went to my rear driver's side tire and I gave it a hug. And the tire said, thank you, my friend. I walked around the behind the car and I went to the driver's side back tire and I gave it a hug. And that tire said, thank you. And I went up to the tire up front, the passenger front tire, and I gave it a hug. And the tire said, thank you. And then I started to walk into the house. And then I heard the engine. Yeah, um, those tires are doing a real good job. They can't spin without me. <sighs> You're right. I go open the door, pull the lever, unhook the lid. I, uh, the, 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 I open up the you know, thing and I there's a, lift the hood up and I go and I hug the tire. And burn the shit out of myself because the, the the shit was hot. And I said, um, and then, then the engine said, sorry about that. I forgot that I was hot. I'm so used to being this temperature that I, I didn't realize that I'd be burning the shit out of you. And I said, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. So don't you know, I appreciate your engine. Great. So I put the hood back down. And I hear, <clears throat> and I go, oh, Jesus Christ. What? It was the seats. And I go, so what's going on? So nothing for us? I said, okay, great. I go and I hug the, pass the passenger side seat. I hug the back seats. And I walk around the front and I hide. I'm, I'm, I drive the car all the time, so I 
gave a hug to the driver's seat that I always sit in. I go, all right, we're good. We're good. I close the door and I head back towards the house. <sighs> oh, God, what? It was the doors. Open up the passenger side doors. I hug them. Open the back doors. Hug them. Hug, hug the doors. All doors. Thank you. I walk in the house. Uh, you forgot one last thing. Is that you, Trunk? Yep. Uh, you, know, you put your groceries in here. I got your spare tire. I'm just saying, you know, you hugged everything else. And unlike the engine. I'm not going to burn you. And the engine goes, fuck you, trunk. And the trunk goes, ha, ha, shut up, punk. And I say, hey, 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 no fighting, no fighting, no fighting. This is not, this is not the time for that. So I hug the trunk. Thank you. What about me? Uh, what? Exhaust pipe. Oh, okay. I said, you know what? You really don't even, uh, so I was going to hug the exhaust pipe, but it's kind of underneath the car. Um, I, yeah, you can't you know what I mean it was easy to get to everything else I said you know I would hug the exhaust pipe in the catalytic converter but I can't really get under there um, I can't she goes oh it's alright I said oh you know what I'm going to do something special for you so I took my junk out and I banged my exhaust pipe uh, needless to say I burned the crap out of myself again but I was kind of into it and then all of a sudden, every other part in the car is like, we want to get banged too. And of course, I just individually banged each and every part of my car. I banged it all, even the engine. By this time, the engine had cooled down so I could, I could bang it. Yes, folks. Because I busted one of my car tires, um, one of my car tires, the belt broke in one of my car tires. I bought a new tire and I grew in a, bought a new tire and I had an and realize how much my my car actually means to me so much so that I that I banged my car so uh so if anybody rides in the car next time just realize that no matter what part of the car you touch I uh I have banged it maybe I shouldn't have told you guys that because you know I'm pretty sure I have relatives listening to this and they're going I was in the car yesterday and I'm going I didn't bang the car yesterday I banged the car today so when I pick you up tomorrow to take you to your appointments just realize everything you touch was banged the only thing I didn't bang was my dash cam <laughs> just kidding I always bang my dash cam I know what you're thinking folks come on man it's just another one of your stupid form stories you know, anthropomorphic stories where you try to do something, you give voice to different inanimate objects for comedic purposes. Okay, I'm going to let you think that. But if you're in the car with me and I walk away from a car and I'm going to let you walk up the steps of the house first, I'm going to be walking behind you. I want you to listen very closely. And you can hear my car go, Hey, you're right. Look at S. Anthony's sweet ass. Maybe we should bang him again. Right, car parts? Right, 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 Because I gave it to those car parts. Every car part got it good. Because I'm not just good at banging women. I'm a car banger, too. <laughs> this cold medication is making me loopy. <laughs> okay, folks. Uh, this has been episode number 326 of the S. Anthony Says podcast. <laughs> I want to thank you guys uh, for coming back. I appreciate you sick bastards. 
you are parts officially of the Bastard Army. I want to thank you for being part of it. I'm going to thank you for everything that you do. And I want to let you know, my friends, it's very, very important that you do me a favor. If you like this show, subscribe to it. Tell your friends about it. If there's a place to rake the show, give this show a nice five-star rating. If you want to contact me, send me declarations of love, please do so at this address. The only email address I have, talktosanthony at gmail.com. T-A-L-K-T-O-S-A-N-T-H-O-N-Y at gmail.com. This show is everywhere, baby, like Oxygen, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, and of course the granddaddy iTunes. I have a YouTube channel. It's called S. Anthony Says, so get your butt over there and subscribe to that and hit the notification button. I'm on Instagram at well, using my name at S. Anthony Thomas. I'm on Facebook, as I've already stated. Uh, just go on there and uh, search for S. Anthony Says. You'll see a blue check mark indicating that it's ex- actually me. And of course, I'm on Twitter in two places at S. Anthony Thomas. And the show's Twitter is at S. Anthony Says. Folks, you sick bastards, I want to thank you very, very much for listening to this sick bastard. I love every last one of you bastards. Thank you very much for checking me out. I will talk to you again next week. And now I'm going to say goodbye the way I always say goodbye. And I want you to say it with me. Are you going to say it with me? Of course we are. Fantastic. 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 On the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three. S. Anthony, out.